0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another action-packed episode of Sales Enablement Live, straight from the State of Sales Enablement podcast studio here in Sydney, Australia. It is raining like crazy, so we might get swept away along the way. I hope that is not the case. If we can stay live for the whole episode, what we will cover includes some of the key insights from my conversation with Gorov Herodi this week on The State of Sales Enablement Podcast, awesome interview. We dive deep into the uh, insights from that discussion, and we will also cover some Q&A items of things that have come up in my conversations on social media. And we will also take a look, as always, on some of the top news items that have come up during the week. This week, we'll really focus on some remote work-related news items, so I'm really keen to talk to you about those, but let's dive right in and talk about the key insights from the interview with Gorov. And just to give you some context about uh, what Gorov does, Gorov is based in Canada, and uh, he used to work for Oracle for a long time, and uh, he has now started his own sales enablement uh, platform to start up called Enablix, and they're specifically focused on self content, and Uh, What I really appreciate about Gorov is that he tells it how it is. He's got a technology background. He doesn't have a sales background, but he's uh, a technical founder and uh, he's essentially moved from that space into the world of sales, which I think brings a certain degree of him being objective to the table and him also sharing those insights as they are a really honest view on the whole sales content space with warts and all. So yeah, I'm really keen to share those insights with you. And let's take a listen to the first one, which is all about the changes in uh, buyer behavior and the way uh, buyers consume content uh, throughout the sales process. Let's take a listen.
1: I was just reading before this session is it the death of the theaters, right? Like with all these streaming channels available, are the theaters going to go out of business and most likely they are eventually, they are going to go out of business and I think what has happened with COVID and with the pandemic is that it's almost like a similar effect that once you get used to Netflix and Amazon Prime, do you really want to go, yeah, maybe one off. there is a 3D movie You are like next avengers movie you want to absorb the experience for but for most of the sales the buyer also doesn't want to come to the office and they have no interest in meeting the vendors at the office so it's almost like i wouldn't go as far as saying that content has to be self served. so a lot of people profess that i don't think that's the case but people want to be served and people want that content with minimal effort mm. so I'm going to meet you on Zoom, but even on Zoom, I will meet you only twice. But in the other time, the rest of the 20 and a half hours, give me something which will help me educate my colleagues and make an informed decision.
0: All right. So that was Gaurav. I particularly uh, like that insight around the ease of consumption of content and that comparison to online streaming services like Netflix and uh, Amazon Prime. So I think there's different uh, dimensions to that statement. Of course, you have the ease of consumption, which should always be there. And if the salesperson is really only a walking brochure, that ease of consumption is definitely increased if you're able to capture the key information in a content piece, but I think the buyer experience is also key here. And some of the research that we previously looked at um, on the state of sales enablement, I think it was from Gartner, stated that buyers in the B2B space extremely value their experience and think it is at least equally important than the product or service on offer. So the experience plays a key part here. And I think what has happened in Netflix's uh, case and Amazon's Prime's case compared to theaters is that you had the the gold standard experience, with which was the movie theaters. and because of the advancements in home theater technology, and you have massive screens, crystal clear, 4K and some amazing sound systems, the experience be- became similar. Suddenly you also have reduced release cycles. So a movie that might've just been in the cinemas recently, suddenly so then suddenly moves uh, onto streaming services and is available uh, to download easily and i think the the similarity of the experience plays a role just as much as the ease of consumption and if we bring that into the context of sales content i think it's really important to note that the the meeting and the interaction you can have in a meeting is still the gold standard and that anything that you provide should capture the essence of that gold standard to be as close as possible for for people to then actually be as engaged and to Consume the content just like they would in a face-to-face meeting, and I think that is still a challenge. But especially with technologies and products like deal rooms, I think there's an attempt being made to replicate that face-to-face interaction and that ease of consumption more and more. And so, for those who are not familiar with deal rooms, are essentially it's essentially a microsite that is being set up by sales reps for their buyers and their buy committee, which offers an opportunity for curated content sharing, and also for interaction through chat. So anybody can drop questions in the chat address specifically to the buyer and share the conversation with everybody else. The seller can add content pieces depending on where the conversation is at. The seller can also uh, record video messages and add them to add more of a personal touch. So I think all of those uh, features start contributing to that uh, really positive experience that buyers are able to create uh, virtually compared to what it would have been like not too long ago in face meetings, primarily. Yeah. The other thing to consider as well is that if you think about that pre-pandemic, even in 2019, Gartner ran this research piece around the time spent by the buying committee throughout the buying process, and only 17% of that time was spent in face to face meetings so if you consider that creating that positive experience through content really matters to to extend that conversation with beyond those face-to-face interactions yeah i think a lot of uh, interesting points here by gorov and the second part of the conversation that i want to share with you was around sales content myths and i think this wasn't was really interesting because What he talks about here is really honest feedback on uh, what he sees in market. And I think it's really refreshing. So let's take a listen.
1: One of the myths for smaller companies, the myth is that we don't have enough content. And my mantra is that if you are selling, you have content, you may not have it in the right format, in the branded format, in the right sort of nice buttoned up way. But you just don't realize that you have content, but if you are selling, you have content because it's very hard to sell without content. I think the second myth is focused on quantity versus quality. There is a quantity versus quality debate. We come from an age where we think that sales just want a ton of content. That's not actually the case. You want better quality content. A lot of the content that gets generated, it's useful for certain stages, but may not be useful for like sales enablement. And then the third myth is that I think we are slowly going away similar to what we talked about watching movies in theaters versus I think if somebody sends me or if even internally at Enablex, we talk about it. If there is a slight tech that is more than 10 slides long, you are already pushing the limits. So we come across like Customers, prospects, they will say, oh, this is our like introductory deck. And there would be like 30 slides into it. Nobody cares about those 30 slides. It's one thing to walk your customer through those slides is another thing to share. People don't read like more than three lines of WhatsApp message. People ignore it. So I think that the granularization of content so that it hits the mark is really important. And people don't realize that. People create content for the sake of creating content. One part of buyer enablement is not just sharing the content, but sharing the content and then highlighting that, hey, on page seven, we talked about this and this problem. On page seven, we discussed that problem. You are enabling your buyer, you're saving your buyer's time so that they can get to the right place. And people tend to forget that in the content game, right? Like it's still quantity, it's still, I need 50 pages versus two pages
0: all right a lot to unpack here i think just to paraphrase the first myth Gaurav comes across is that businesses say they don't have content specifically smaller businesses or outside the enterprise space and uh, what he's saying is that is not true anybody who's selling has content and i agree with that if you think about it any sales conversation is content and any ways of selling and any ways to respond to objections or any information shared with the seller that is not documented in writing but is rather delivered in speech is also content right so i think a lot of organizations undervalue themselves on that front there, any sales organization that operates uh, halfway effectively has content that is valuable to buyers it's just all about capturing those things and uh, providing them into a digestible format. So I think that's a really great insight and uh, probably something to think about for organizations that so far haven't really had a structured approach around content. I think the mistake that I come across often when I work with clients in my business, fast forward, and so we are a sales enablement consultancy. And when we work with clients, we oftentimes also do content audits and a lot of times clients make the mistakes of yeah as as Gorov said, not utilizing content that might be only living in the seller's mind. There's no previous attempt to actually capture that content effectively and then the other mistake I also see people made is uh, not effectively structuring, classifying and utilizing marketing content which might also be existent. so sales might say we don't have any content. What they really mean is we don't have any content that has been brought into a sales context, and if you think about the sort of information that buyers might find useful throughout their buying journey, oftentimes marketing content, which might be more considered top of the funnel, can still be add value to the conversation as long as it has been developed with the buyer in mind. So I think that is another mistake I come across. But I think the second point that he mentioned here was around quality content and the assumption by a lot of businesses that sellers want a lot of content, I think the only thing that sellers really care about is selling, right? And ideally, what that means is that they help buyers better than anybody else in market, and if you think about what that means to the actual day-to-day of a seller, Having a lot of content actually stops you from selling because you spend more time researching content, identifying content pieces that might be relevant uh, to your seller and which in that context means less is more, right? Which is also something that Gorov touches on here. I think behavior that I also see often happening when there's a lot of content is that sellers start their own little repositories. Even if content is organized and indexed in the really structured manner, if sellers have a couple of times the experience that they can't easily find what they want, they will start their own little repositories and just have a few go-to content pieces that they use over and over again, right? That might stop them from providing the best possible experience to their buyers. But at the same time, they save so much time that it compensates for that. So uh, I think that is one of the behaviors that we see. And I think that's why it's uh, crucially important for sales leadership, self-enablement, and also marketing to collaborate on actually not identifying a hundred content pieces that are out there. We've had clients previously where we have indexed 500 content pieces to really identify what really makes sense for them or not. This is obviously an extreme case. But I think if you have maybe a couple of dozen go-to content pieces that are really proven to be relevant to buyers uh, throughout their journey and that accommodate for 80% of the cases, I think you're already covering a whole lot of ground. And that's oftentimes all that's needed. And the rest is then a question of customization and potentially also to then do some manual search, but that is acceptable if the reward is there. I think, again, the case that is really something that needs to be avoided is that sellers spend half the day searching for content, identifying content, and then customizing it, which essentially uh, eats into their time selling out in market. The third item that Gorov mentions, that is a myth that he comes or uh, comes across over and over again is the length of the content. And again, I think this is a symptom of a lack of biocentricity. If the content doesn't get to the point and doesn't deliver the value that is intended to be delivered to the buyer instead of just uh, getting to the point and really delivering the content in a short succinct way through digital channels sellers oftentimes either write like really long emails and then attach a 30 slide powerpoint deck or share a one hour webinar video uh, without any reference to parts that might be relevant to the buyer or share a 50 page ebook with the buyer uh, as an FYI, so to speak. I think sellers have to realize that uh, those sort of content pieces are really available everywhere, and those content pieces are being sent to them most likely, especially if they are a decision maker multiple times a day. So they don't have time to sort through and identify what's relevant to them so i think one really strong trend that i see out in market um, over and over again is the fragmentation of content micro content has been a topic especially in the sales training space since the pandemic where sales trainers and sales enablers talk about uh, accommodating for the new consumption behaviors of sales reps working from home and them having to fit the training into their new day, which is more fragmented and more uh, disrupted by tasks related to their home life. And I think the, the funny thing is, if you consider an organization to be seller centric, you certainly have to expect the same sort of disrupted days from your buyers and they don't have days that are much different to your sales reps. Like they don't have time to sit down and consume hour long content. You really have to accommodate for those new consumption behaviors and micro content in the form of animated GIFs, in the form of very specific video snippets, in the form of content that's curated uh, for them specifically has to be part of the new content uh, creation behavior. And I think especially the eBooks that's a comp perpetrator where marketing invests a whole lot of time and resources in developing those eBooks and because of the nature of them oftentimes they're just a pdf and all you can measure is downloads there's no view behind the curtain of what then happens after the download and i think a lot of times people just flick through the ebooks and don't really read them i certainly can't remember the last time i read a a 30 page ebook from a vendor that was related to to a purchase of mine quality aside i think it's just uh, not something that is feasible in today's uh, consumption behaviors so i think yeah the micro content absolutely crucial these days just one resource that i wanted to share on that front as well a book that i uh, have revisited recent recently which also talks about this topic which is the sales enablement playbook by corey bray and he also talks about specifically about indexing micro content for easy access to the sales team with tags that are related to the micro content. And he even goes as far as defining micro content as certain lines within a conversation being delivered uh, to sellers, whether it's a way certain parts of the solution are being communicated to certain by personas or a way that objections are being handled or a way that you uh, talk about a certain competitor's features. So those, all, those things can all be micro content and they can be delivered in that way. So a great book. So can highly recommend that to anybody who wants to read a bit more about micro content and uh, have the, content, uh, the context of the broader sales enablement play for that as well. Now, the next item I wanted to talk to you about was related to some of the news stories that are, that were around this week related to sales and funny enough, mainly around remote work and remote selling. And I will share the first story with you here, which was one on TechCrunch headline remote work and event startup Twine acquires uh, YC backed Glimpse to launch on Zoom. So essentially uh, what those guys do is they bring a new dimension to Zoom and uh, Zoom being one of the uh, most common tools of trade. uh, I think it becomes more and more important to stay on top of those features as well. And uh, what those guys do is they apply uh, background smarts to really make it easier to create breakout rooms for Zoom calls. So if you think about client workshops or internal meetings, it really makes it easy to match the right people and to identify the relevant people to be connected with um, in the context of that meeting. So I think it's a interesting thought. I'm not sure um, how well that work would work in the execution. Certainly keen to speak to anybody who's tried it out or who's got some further insights about the smarts being used here oh, yeah, i think an interesting angle that that certainly feeds into the yeah the whole virtual selling space and into zoom in particular now the next item i wanted to also talk to you about which is the story here on Inc. they were speaking about when remote layoffs are ine- inevitable how to cut ties gracefully so i guess at uh, this particular the case for sales leaders that have a large team I hope that is not the case for anybody listening I I always hope that organizations hire heaps of sales people and everybody gets promoted and everybody hits their quota but unfortunately this is sometimes the case that layoffs are inevitable and a few things that they mention here is to prepare thoroughly to have one-on-one conversations with the relevant stakeholders and also with a person being laid off you definitely want to f- don't fall off, want to fall into that trap that I can't remember the leader of that company that was affected but there was one leader that laid off hundreds of people in one zoom call that's certainly the worst thing to do and which was probably also the reason why it got so much media coverage coordinate timing Carefully, so, yeah, I think timing in terms of the internal communication really important and also showing support to the people affected. just on a personal note, my wife um, also works in hr so she's really involved in some of those uh, difficult conversations and she also had to navigate those sort of conversations uh, throughout the pandemic, obviously remotely and and I can certainly confirm that those are some of the I've talked to her about um, this article and she's confirmed that those are some of the key things to consider i think in the us the labor laws are a bit different to um, other parts of the the world here in australia there is a lot of due diligence required for layoffs to happen and those conversations are certainly not not easy and advocate for avoiding them as long as possible obviously even if costs need to be cut salespeople people are uh, coachable can improve over time it is proven so if this is related to sales i would always advocate for establishing a coaching program and really attempt to increase performance rather than doing layoffs. So that's uh, just my two cents on that topic. Now, the last um, item, which is more of internal news that I wanted to cover, which is related to the State of Sales Enablement, which is my podcast. So the State of Sales Enablement, this live stream is uh, part of the podcast. And we always publish a version of this live stream on the State of Sales Enablement podcast as well. And one thing that will happen very soon is so far, the state of sales enablement was a marketing channel that was really closely related to my business, Fast Forward, and you can see here, if you go to our website, go fastforward.com. So ffwd.com. you go to podcast. This was where previously the podcast was living and all the episodes. You could access them here. What we will do in the not too distant future is we will actually break out the state of sales enablement as a separate uh, media entity so uh, for those of you who know me i have previously worked in media in sales as well and we will break this out as a, a separate entity which just allows us to um, scale the media brand a bit more, have that less associated with Fast Forward. Uh, my company will obviously still be the a, a strong supporter of that media property and will uh, utilize that to some degree as a marketing channel for us. But it will become a separate entity that will hopefully be bigger and better. And we um, add a whole lot of content uh, to that. So that there will be written articles, opportunity for anybody listening as well in the sales enablement space to contribute if you're interested. And we will also have a new format for our live stream. So far, we've always run those live streams weekly, and we will switch over to a monthly format, uh, which will be called This Month in Sales Enablement. And I could not be more excited to share with you that I will also have a co-host. She's an amazing sales enabler. She's based in the US and she's very senior in her company. She's a VP of Sales Enablement. I won't reveal her name for now, and we will do that on Friday here in Australia. But the point is, I will have a co-host. She's amazing. She's amazingly knowledgeable in the sales enablement space. So one of the smartest people I know in sales enablement, and they will finally end me talking into the camera by myself, and we'll actually have a conversation around uh, similar topics that we would typically cover, but we'll have more of a discussion around it. We'll do it monthly, which will also mean that. We will be able to share insights from four episodes with you and discuss those on the live stream. So very excited about that one, a new dimension to the state of sales enablement in those live streams that we do and. Lastly, I also wanted to um, briefly share with you, if you are a, a sales leader, I also want to encourage you to, to attend this webinar that we have uh, running in a couple of weeks' time. We already have 119 registrations for that one, so it's about strategic sales enablement and an actionable step-by-step guide for sales leaders. So we will talk about all the things that you need to start a sales enablement program from zero, including the analysis that you need to do, the sort of consideration around stakeholder management, how you go about the strategic planning, and then also the implementation. So this is a very condensed crash course, essentially in strategic sales enablement, very excited um, about this one. And uh, yeah, that will take place on March the 10th here in Australia, which might be March 9th for our American listeners. So if you're interested, please consider visiting that one. Just search for strategic sales enablement on LinkedIn or just check my profile page, Felix Krüger, here on LinkedIn and yeah, register if you haven't already. I'm really excited uh, for that one. And also, if you're interested in uh, hearing about particular aspects of this webinar more based on the agenda, please do let me know. We still have room for adjustments. So I really want to make this as relevant as possible for all the people attending. Please let me know, and I can't wait to catch up with you on that one. So that was it for this week's episode. Uh, As always, I had a blast, and I've been really enjoying doing those weekly episodes. But as I said before, we'll switch to a a monthly format with my new co-host. Really excited about that one. I strongly believe it will be even more valuable to you guys. And yeah, thank you so much for your support as always. I hope you have an awesome week, and I will speak to you soon. Bye-bye.